Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalising our natural resources, minimising waste and maximising human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipparos.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. Hello, Wastebusters. Welcome to episode 26, which means I've been podcasting for a whole six months now. I remember interviewing Joanna Penn in episode 15, who was celebrating her 600th episode and her saying how time flies when you're in the flow and doing what lights you up, which is the very essence of my conversation this week with my guest Kay Muller, whose business was sparked from an audacious dare and has now evolved into an all-embracing community of ocean swimming and yoga enthusiasts who support one another through the ebb and flow of life. One man who's experienced a multitude of fluctuations throughout his lifetime is Sir David Attenborough. His passion and dedication for conservation is the backbone to his continued devotion to developing documentaries that bring the extraordinary world of wildlife into the comfort of our homes. He has just received the prestigious Knight Grand Cross of the Order of St Michael and St George for his services to TV, broadcasting and climate change campaigning for conservation of our natural world. To me, and I'm sure most of you listening, we know we need to stop waffling and crank up the action to help species far and wide to thrive. Like my wee friends, the emperor penguins down in Antarctica, who, thanks to the nonsensical thinking of the Chinese, have been denied special protection at the Antarctic Treaty meeting in Berlin last month. A decision that's clearly at odds with the reality of the climate crisis. Seriously, what planet are they on? This kind of thinking highlights the mindset shift that's needed for all environmental decisions, away from segregating parts of the world to one that recognises everything is connected and the need for us all to care about all parts of the planet, the wildlife and people as our extended family. We have to think of the big picture of how what we do affects others across the globe and learn to sort out our own shit rather than dumping it on someone else. Talking of which, I came across a post from a Malaysian woman who's now living in New Zealand who started a petition because she's concerned for the people in Genjora where she grew up because they're engulfed in carcinogenic fumes from the plastic that's being burned. Plastic that New Zealand sends away from our shores to theirs. There's been an increase in cancer and asthma cases and the microplastics have degraded the air quality, destroying the local ecosystems and polluted the waterways. Locals have observed that the bird, bee and fish populations have alarmingly decreased. Currently, we send 90% of curbside recycling overseas instead of sorting out our own shit here. Between 2018 and 2021, more than 46,000 tonnes of this was shipped to Malaysia and Thailand. Unfortunately, when our recycling arrives in these countries, a lot of it gets burned, buried or sold on rather than actually recycled. 
which is one very good reason for each and every one of us to consciously reduce our own levels of plastic. Plastic Free July is just around the corner, but you don't have to wait till then. Start small and start now. Keep your new habit going for a month and plan to introduce something else the following month. So by the end of the year, you'll have multiplied your contribution to a healthier planet. There's a link in the show notes to join up with the global challenge. Let me know what changes you're going to make. For myself, I'm going to be making my own bread and yoghurt. While I'm talking challenges, I'm in the midst of the bucket list challenge with Trav Bell, known as the bucket list guy, mainly to meet like-minded people, but also for inspiration to stretch my mind beyond the daily comfort zone that we all become accustomed to. One thing on my bucket list is to take part in the 33 kilometer beach to bay ocean swim in May next year, which I'm aiming to be as an extension of regular ocean swims all year round. All inspired by my guest today, Kay Muller from Yogi Fish. As she says, follow your curiosity, challenge yourself to do something audacious. You just never know where it's going to take you. Good afternoon, Kay. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you with me. Hello, Philippa. Great to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I'm a great ocean lover, but I'm a bit of a sook and I'm a fair weather swimmer. In fact, I wouldn't even go so far to say I'm a swimmer. I'm more of a splasherer. What on earth entices you to dive into the ocean every single day? Well, it it didn't start like that. I was actually petrified of the ocean when I started. And I was a fair weather swimmer as well. I was petrified of sharks. And I wouldn't go over my waist, uh, but I love the ocean. And I have these words that I choose for the year. And in 2013, my word was dauntless, you know, face the fears. And so I was walking along the beach at Omaha and I saw this guy alone swimming out beyond the breakers. And I just thought, oh, my God, he's so brave. I would love to do that. And so because my word was dauntless, I thought, well, okay, maybe you should. Maybe that's what you should do. So I started out with friends almost piggybacking on their backs (laughs) over my head. And it's taken a long time to trust that I'm okay in the water, that I can surrender and let go. And now I've swum over six kilometers around islands out in the deep blue. And it's become a, a place of great beauty and solace. And I'm passionate about it now. So what has the benefits been to you in that time? I think because I've always been a bit of a micromanager and when you get into the ocean, you've got to surrender. It's not our natural element, you know, Um, and you become prey in, in the ocean as far as you know. And so it helps you get out of your head. It teaches you to let go and surrender I found I dropped into my senses because I couldn't look into that deep, dark blue. I learned to watch my fingers and you can see little bubbles coming off your fingers. And then I thought, just look at the color. And for a while, I had a resin chart in the glove box of the car and I would try and name the color and match it to the resin chart to take my mind off my fears. Feeling the salt I would open my mouth and sort of make a gargle, you know, and take the water in and really try to drop into that sensory experience. 
Uh, the breathing, you learn, but you have to breathe regularly, <laughs> otherwise you will <laughs> yes, drown. always helps, yeah. It's a bit of a problem. Um, so I found the glide and the breath, that rhythmic movement became like a meditation almost. And a lot of stuff happens when you get in the water, and I'm still trying to work it out. The research is kind of only just beginning, but it's growing, that it's good anti-inflammatory, it's good for your mental health. It improves circulation. You only weigh 10% of your body weight in water. So no matter if you're, you know, sick or scared or scarred or whatever, mm-hmm. your body size or whatever, the water will hold you and support you. Um, it releases a lot of chemicals, happy chemicals too. I, I call them endorphins. So I um, saw you know, that on your website. I thought, because I'm a great wordsmith, <laughs> and I thought that is an amazing word, endorphins. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I found that because I was getting such benefit, uh, and it's a great solace, really, and I didn't want to be alone in the water, I thought I need playmates. Yep. So I started up uh, a Facebook page, Lee Swimmers, and tried to get people to come along. And it started to evolve into this thing. You know, people would come along, we would swim together, then afterwards we'd stand around and chat. And then we started bringing thermos flasks and then it became a community. And in about 2019, I'd said to my 17-year-old daughter at the time, hey, you should become a yoga teacher. You should really try this and blah, blah, blah. And she went, mum, stop it. That's your dream, not mine. And I went, oh. But I was 58 and I thought, I'm, I'm too old for this lark. But I, then I thought, well, why Surely not. Older people like yoga too. So why don't I go and do a yoga teacher training? And I did. And it was the most wonderful thing. Even if you don't end up teaching, I learned just about the whole philosophy of do no harm and gratitude and appreciation and beautiful sort of GPS system for contentment in life. Mm. You know, a philosophy that's really, really gentle and lovely. And then that evolved into 2021. I sort of thought I'd like to bring these together. And I started Yogi Fish, which is my little brand. And it's um, yoga and ocean swimming. Um, It's fun. It's about joy. It's not about competition and speed and distance. It's about supporting each other through tough times, you know, like the big five Ds, um, depression, disease, divorce, destitution, death. Everyone has tough times and yoga and ocean swimming helps you and the community helps Mm. you to process that. So, I mean, what an amazing time to start it just before the big C um, happened around the world. Did that get in your way? I finished my yoga teacher training two days before we went into the first lockdown. Wow. I tried doing Zoom stuff, uh, but I, I was an absolute novice and it was hilarious. You know, I kept whacking my hand on the roof. And <laughs> it's very hard doing video, creating mood. I take my hat off to people who can do those yoga classes online and build a real connection to the audience. It's hard. Um, And so I left it to the professionals and I did my own practice during lockdown and really consolidated. And I have to say, I slipped down to the ocean privately and had just a little plunge um, during lockdowns. Well, I would say, you know, to me, 
that's one of the big things that has been missing is the very fact of how do you stay healthy and the essence of what you do is about sustaining your health and mental health never mind the physical aspects of it and the breathing the combination with the swimming and the yoga itself I'm 60 as well I turned 60 in July last year and although I might I might look my age uh, I have the mentality probably of a 30 year old and actually you get to that point in life where you think you couldn't give a flying fart what anybody else thinks and you're just going to do it anyway you know it fits in with your dauntless thing and if it doesn't work what the hell exactly I read something where someone said, in your 30s, you really care what everyone thinks. And in your 40s, you don't really care what everyone thinks. And in your 50s, you realise no one was thinking about you anyway. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a reality check, isn't it, really? Oh, dear, the stresses and strains of life. So how long did it take you before you were brave enough to go above the waist and to the point where you saw that chap um, well, a chap I saw, Stephen, I got to know him. He now swims with us. After I saw him, I thought, I'm going to do this. But it took me a long time at Matheson's Bay here. We've got 300 metres out as an island. And you can see the bottom all the way out on a good day. And it took me ages to pluck up courage to go out to the island. And I had to have people with me. And we have um, people turning up for our intro to ocean swimming sessions every Friday. And off they go with others out to the island. That you know, it took me about a year to do that, and they're doing it in their first sessions. And I know I, because I've come from that place of fear, and I've hit, even had major panic attacks in the water. Wow. Um, first time I wore a wetsuit, I did an ocean swim series, my very first event up Russell to Pai here, three point six kilometers across the channel there, with nine hundred other people. I must say, my wetsuit was full of adrenaline by the time I got in and all these arms and legs thrashing around me and I had trained I knew I could do the distance but I got about 100 meters out and I suddenly got this hot panic just go through me because I'd gone too fast and I had all this adrenaline Mm. so it was like hyperventilation I was breathing too fast I was going too fast so I stopped and just ripped my wetsuit down to my waist and thought oh my goodness what's going on I saw a woman clinging to one of the support kayaks sobbing and I went right That is not going to be me. You have trained for this. I swam the whole way with my wetsuit around my waist just to get the cold on me. And the cold water does something really, really lovely. If you're having a panic attack, go and get in a cold shower or jump in a cold pool or splash your face because it really works. Really, really cold water. It just calms your central nervous system. I slowly breathed my way through that panic and got into a and got out and just felt so proud of myself for not only doing the distance, but for realizing what the panic attack was about and finding strategies. I experimented with it later. I thought, I can make myself, I can make myself have one or get myself out of it. And, and it worked. I can't breathe. And I talked myself into it that I couldn't catch my breath. And there it was, that panic. Yeah. That hot, you know, absolute paralysis. And then I thought, all right, all right, okay, now you can pull yourself back from the brink. And it took a little while, but I did it. I've been experimenting with this. I had one group, we were going out to the island and we were on our way back. And it was a first time for a few people. And I saw one lady, she'd stopped and she had those big round eyes of, I thought, I know what's happening here. And I swam over to her and I said, 
what's happening there? And she said, I can't make it back. And I said, oh, well, never mind. We always lose one or two. And she started laughing. I said, of course you can. Come on, get your head down. Off we go. Just giving that reassurance. And she was fine. Once she realized it's okay, I'm all good. I can do this. But it's getting out of your head. Yeah. That support is crucial as well, because sometimes we think, we're the only ones suffering on something, you know. And from your first experience being amongst 900 people, the pressure we put on ourselves to do stuff, and it takes great courage to slow down and yes. continue, you know, all the breathing and everything else like that would have been a massive help to yes. let the feelings move through you and not be taken over by them and just allow the time to lag behind basically and not feel the pressure to catch up because it's a personal quest that you have created yeah. for yourself and as you say when you finished it um, the sense of pride must have been phenomenal. Yes that's exactly right and you get swimming group who want to go uh, fast and and distance and competition that's definitely not us. Yeah, Ours is all about no swimmer left behind, uh, about getting everyone over the finish line, basically. So if we set ourselves uh, first time as a round go to Ireland, two kilometer swim, and that's what they build up to. And so it's a huge achievement. And we make it a safari. We go and say, we're going to have a stop and just take note. Just look around where you are in the middle of this ocean. Just take that in, you know, and, and enjoy it and celebrate it. We really celebrate each other, um, our achievements and set little goals. And I want to now swim, you know, to that point. And we are slowly exploring all the coastline around here bit by bit. And we, we go away on retreats, yoga, ocean swimming, little weekends. We're going to Whangarei Heads twice this month. I've got a group of eight women, actually. Um, we're going to go and have a good time and hopefully next year Aitutaki and there's all, all sorts of uh, Rarotonga, Cook Islands. Oh, yum. <laughs> yeah. There's Fiji. Um, uh, there's all sorts of swims everywhere. And I would just then add my yoga to that just to give it a, an extra little deliciousness. Mm, absolutely. What a great combination. You were talking earlier about the other benefits and things like that. I've heard of the fact that, you know, it's the, the minerals in the ocean water are fantastic for us. Yeah. Also come across Wim Hof, who does a huge thing about swimming in cold water and the benefits. Yes, Wim Hof had taken an old method and brought it to the broader public about the thrill of the chill and health benefits from getting into discomfort. So getting into cold, we all go, oh, oh, it's too cold to swim in winter. And my thing is, and what Wim Hof taught me, is the first time I swam through winter, it's now become my favourite because under 15 degrees, something happens to you physiologically and on all sorts of different levels. You get that chill effect in your head. And when you put your face under, you know, you get pain in your forehead, like ice cream. Wow. But no one gets out of the water grumpy. You get out and it's an exhilaration. And, you know, you get into your body, your, your blood pressure raises. But then you, after a minute, when it comes down, you put your face in the water and it slows your heart rate. It helps against chronic pain and it triggers all these happy chemicals we've got these little sensors just near our nose and our cheeks that 
just triggers all these really cool things. And I say to people when they say, oh, but it's cold, I encourage people shriek when you get in the water, just shriek and jump around and be silly. It's only cold. You know, I'm sure everyone's gone through way worse things in life than a bit of cold. It's more to do with the thought and the anticipation. I mean, I'm much better at getting in the water quickly myself now than I ever was. You know, it was painful and every time a wave came and you got colder and colder. And the thought of it is actually worse than the actual thing because it only takes moments to actually be a part of it. And once you're there, complete bliss, eh? Yes, it totally is. And even if you just go in for you know, a few minutes and then dunk your head in and get out, um, wrap yourself up warm. It's exhilarating and it's very addictive, I have to say. People who do it, people get in and I say, the trick is don't get out. When you get to the end of summer, keep getting in a couple of times a week, even within five or six swims, your body starts to acclimatize. Even if it's in a swimming pool, you know, a cold swimming pool or a cold shower, it reduces inflammation, it improves circulation, it reduces stress. It's been quite mind-boggling, really. Awesome. So have you got any long-term plans for it, or are you just really enjoying the company and the health benefits of it all? All of that. I'm allowing Yogi Fish just to evolve. I'm not driving Yogi Fish. It's definitely taking me for the ride. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but it seems to be doing some beautiful things in the community. And for me, in the future, I think I kind of dream I'd like it to be accessible to many people. You know, a lot of retreats are are luxury and very expensive and only for very few people. And I'd like to offer yogi fish experiences for us mortals you know I think your dauntless challenge and the fact that you're talking about the discomfort it's actually expanding ourselves because the podcast is all about infinite possibilities and we're limited by the comfort zones that we tend to stick ourselves in and not go out and try as I say I'm a bit of a wuss I have got a wetsuit so I really don't have any excuse Maybe I I should. It's a shame you're not closer. I'm not that far, Philippa. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Tomorrow, 9 o'clock, Matheson's Bay. Friday mornings are our newbie. It's like for pool transitioners and rusty rookie swimmers to come and we just hold their hand. And even if it's 25 metres, you know, we've had one lady. She started about 18 months ago and she was absolutely petrified of anything that moved in the water and she cried the whole way out to the first boy about 25 meters um, and I said to her there's nothing in this bay honestly it's, it's bare it's just barren anyway we go out and there was right below her was a stingray and I thought oh dear I hope she doesn't see that and she gasped <gasps> what was that <laughs> and first one was 25 meters she would cry in her daily life she's this kick-ass manager of hundreds of people and uh, but the water was this whole new realm. Um, And after a year, she had swum six kilometers around an island. And now she's one of our biggest champions of newbies. You know, she will take them because she's been there Mm. and she knows what it is like. And so she's sort of our poster child, really. So what was her inspiration to do it? Like me, loved the water, like most people, but um, fear was holding her back from getting in. Fear of what was below, the dark shapes, which is sort of like life, isn't it? Mm. The fear of the The possibility. 
And so is there any other reasons people you found that people come and join them? We've had people move into the area and they have been swimmers where they came from, maybe pool swimmers in their youth. And they see it on Facebook and think, I'll come along. And immediately they just get taken in and they just automatically make like those friends. Mm. So they instantly become welcomed into the community and they find their tribe or their pod. I, I like to call it my pod. Yeah. And um, others have got in for mental health a lot, especially through lockdown, through disease or a whole lot of death or in the family or divorce. The water and the camaraderie holds them. Awesome. And what about disabilities? Yeah. Have you had anybody with any physical disabilities join? Yes, uh, we've got uh, some people have got hip problems and one lady had a very bad accident and she can't actually turn her head. And so she's got one of those uni masks. So you wear a mask where the breathing snorkel comes up the, your forehead between your eyes and up to the top. So you don't have to turn your head side to side. Wow. Yeah, yes. And she was in chronic pain and she shared with me um, recently that before she met and joined our pod, she was in so much pain. She just thought she'll just keep swimming and not come back, you know. Mm. Now we just embrace everybody because everyone has something, don't they? Of course they do. Yeah, we're human. Yeah. And I must say, I have yet to meet an asshole swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a breath out of them, doesn't it? It just <laughs> Sorts the um, what is it from the wheat from the chaff? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're super, really, really neat people. The really neat thing is that we all come together. It's a very um, level playing field. You can be, I don't know, whatever in in your daily life, but the ocean. We're all just floundering around in the ocean, and and we don't ever talk about what we do. Cool. It's the vulnerability, isn't it? Because you're all in the same place. You might be at different stages, but you're all very vulnerable. Yes. It's the old in yoga, they say, let go. And you think, what the heck does that mean? And But in the ocean, you really do have to trust it's going to be all right. Mm. You're going to be all right. That the ocean and your wetsuit will carry you. I give, you know, everyone has little orange toe floats that we carry along and we hold on to those and, you know, we'll do a bit of something silly like synchronised swimming just to end it off or, you know, awesome. which looks terrible, but it's fun. <laughs> As you say, it's, it's like playtime really, isn't it, for growing It's totally playtime. I just think as 60-year-olds or 50, you know, we, we forget how to play and just being a little bit silly. For nothing, you know, for no good purpose. Well, I think that's one of the hardest things is, you know, in that letting go. In my work with the background in psychology, you know, it's helping people recognize our identity is not caught up in whatever role that we set out to do. It's more about the essence of who we are. And that comes out in when you're in such a place as in the ocean and all together. And you've shown how. It brings people together on different levels and it's that compassion, companionship that's and connection really that's so important. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's exactly right. So it was just the fact that you challenged yourself that you started. So is what were you doing beforehand? Gosh, I've done lots of different things. I love to explore. I get 
quite curious about stuff. So, you know, I would jog, I did a bit of a yoga, I tried all different modalities. Um, I've done all sorts of different jobs and lived all over the world. Um, and then coming back to New Zealand, I lived 13 years in Germany and coming back to New Zealand with the family. I lived in the middle of Germany, landlocked, and it's as if I couldn't breathe. I needed my little Pacific. So I thought we've got this beautiful ocean there. It's so inviting. I'm afraid of it. I'm just going to get over it. I'm going to get in there. And then it took over. Wow. That's phenomenal. I'm in the middle of editing a podcast, which is with Glenn Edney. He's written a book called The Spirit of the Ocean, and he talks about the connection and our relationship to it and place. Oh, how beautiful. That sounds nice. Spirit of the Ocean. I'm always looking for books. Talking of which, is there a book or a person that has influenced you in your life? Well, when I was 11, I read Heidi. A lot of women have said Heidi was formative in their early years, and I've tried to work out why. And for me, it was the image of Heidi running up that mountain, throwing off the layers of constrictive clothing as she ran up that mountain. And it was, for me, like a metaphor of casting off everything that holds you back. And she ran to happiness up the mountain. I mean, I'm really glad she wasn't gluten and dairy intolerant. She only ate bread and milk. But, but you know, her life was ideal on the mountain, in nature, free of all the constraints. And, and so that, as an 11-year-old, really resonated with me. Over 30 years, I have this journal, this book that I, I write quotes and I paste um, pictures and poems and letters that uplift me. And it's my most precious book. I call it my precious book. Hmm. Going back on it, does it take you back into a specific event or it's just uplifting? It's uplifting. When there were times when I was anxious or whatever, I would see a photo or a picture of a smiling person. I felt something lift. And so I cut it out and pasted it in my book. Yeah. Or if I read a, a quote that resonated, that's going in my precious book. And it's now 30 years old. And it's just the most beautiful resource wow. that I have. So in all that, do you have a special quote? <gasps> I've got so many, it's really, really hard. But this one is Anthony Hopkins. All of us are getting out of here alive. So please stop treating yourself like an afterthought. Eat the delicious food, walk in the sunshine, jump in the ocean, say the truth that you're carrying in your heart like a hidden treasure. Be silly, be kind, be weird. There's no time for anything else. Wow, that just about sums you up by the sounds of things. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins wrote a piece of music and Andre Rue performed it. And when he heard it for the first time, it was in this huge concert hall. Oh, my goodness me, it's unbelievable. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. So apart from swimming in the ocean and looking at your precious book, both of which are just fantastic resources. Is there anything else you do to help yourself get out of a funk? Okay, ocean, my book, and my yoga. Yeah, get on the mat and move my body. I love to flow. My yoga is more like a kelp flow. I like to move like a strong roots, but really allowing the body to explore shapes and, and poses and breathing and twisting. And uh, that just releases a lot of stuff. I love the assimilation with the kelp that's fantastic I use a lot of watery 
images and words in my yoga. It just goes to show you're in your element doing what you love, eh? Yeah, who would have thought? I certainly didn't. That's what I say, no matter how old you are, if there's something that catches your eye that you think, that's interesting, I had no idea I would go down this path. I'm very grateful. If I was your fairy godmother and could wave a magic wand, is there one thing in the world you'd like to change? And if so, what is it? I would like you to wave your magic wand and make me a whale shark with great big gills that the water could sluice through. (laughs) Actually, what I would like is one thing that everyone acts from a place of kindness. And I think if everyone acted from a place of kindness, we wouldn't have so much ugliness. We would look after our world and each other. And that's about it. Kindness. Be kind. There's a film called Mission Joy with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Being three years in the making, obviously Desmond Tutu passed away in the middle of December last year. What phenomenal men. They both honour each other for the kindness and compassion that they have for other people when you consider what they themselves have endured. Sounds right up my alley. (laughs) Lovely. Well, on that joyful note... Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Philippa. Come swimming. I won't leave you behind. All righty. (laughs) All righty. Take care. Cheers. Bye. What an inspirational story and proof that you can shift your life beyond your wildest dreams. When we do things differently, away from the ordinary and aspire for the extraordinary, we get to meet a new part of ourselves and undoubtedly experience more of life's lessons along the way. Next week, I'm talking to Nick Turner from Mainstream Green, who flipped her career in the corporate world, encouraging people to buy more to a sustainable lifestyle, inspiring individuals, businesses and councils to buy less. And she has a wealth of experience and tips that make it easy, normal and feel good. And just so you don't suffer from FOMO, ensure you follow or subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform be it Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts or my YouTube channel so you don't miss out on future episodes. And don't forget to get in touch if you have a subject or guest you'd like me to consider. My email is info at So until next week, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.